Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hello, everybody. For the second time this week, if you listened to Malfest Monday earlier on in the week, I am Rob, joined by, as ever, my learned colleague James Rowe for another episode of the Eurotrip. Yeah, I'm getting into the spirit of these two episodes a week malarkey now. Last week, I think I was sort of on a tired run and things weren't getting off to a great start for me. But I'm back in it. I'm back in the mood. Episode two of the week. Let's go. I'm feeling very energised today. I went for a run first thing this morning, which is very unlike me. And I got a new PB for a 5k, which I was very pleased about. Big news. What a way to start a week. We're recording on Monday. Fair play to you for getting out of bed early and going for a run on a Monday. Yeah, I'm just showing off, really. I just wanted to share that with you and the listeners. Something I saw on social media over the weekend, which I was desperate to bring you and definitely wanted to talk about it on this week's podcast. James, do you follow Greece's entry for 2022 on Twitter? I do not actually know. So this is going to be a big surprise. Well, let me tell you already that you and anyone listening who has not followed her yet should do. So I'm talking about Amanda Tenfjord, who is Norwegian and Greek. What a fun combination. Anyway, she's representing Greece at Eurovision this year. We are expecting her song very soon. And there is talk that it is an excellent song. So got that to look forward to. But will the song live up to her Twitter? I'm not sure it will. Would you like me to present you with a few examples of her recent tweets? Oh, yes, please. I love it when Eurovision artists get involved in Twitter. I love this sort of thing. So she tweeted, how far back are we going to go? I've been looking at her profile, honestly. Since you came back for the run. (laughs) 
Yeah, honestly, just scrolling through it because it is an absolute delight. Uh, let me take you to the 1st of February. So last week. And she said, I can't wait to go to Greece. Exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I will eat so much gyros. <laughs> Big things on her mind. Not recording the song or anything like that. No, no, the food. She followed it up with an even better tweet. One summer in Greece, when I was like 16, I decided to eat one gyros every day, no matter what. I ate 64 gyros that summer. (laughs) I can see why you brought it up, because it's just all about food. I like how she's just using Twitter as some sort of food diary. (laughs) It's all food related, which is exactly why it's caught my attention. And then she tweeted yesterday. So as James said, we're recording this on Monday. She tweeted this over the weekend. Sleeping on the airplane is the best sleep. And then replied to that tweet with a tweet that literally just says ups. And then replied to that with another tweet that just says plane. (laughs) It's just like a fever dream. Her entire Twitter account is like you said, it's like a diary for her thoughts. And I'm all about it. More Eurovision acts should do this with their social media. Let's hope today's episode of the podcast is a little bit more organised and structured than Amanda's Twitter account. So let's find out with this week's episode of the Eurotrip. As you know, Lassandra always said, take it away. Hi, we are Davi Magnet, and you're listening to Eurotrip. But I don't close any doors. I love Eurovision, I love Elisa Stavallen, and it will always be a part of me. That night, I found myself live on Russian state television for, for Russia's Song for Europe. I said to Joe, send BBC Teenage Life. Maybe two weeks later, I was at a press conference and I was on Making Your Mind Up. Everyone was like, Eldar, come, celebrate with us. The end of filming, they put honey on my face and I needed to be, you know, sexy with this honey on my face. Hi there, my name is Martin Estudal. I am the executive supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. You are listening to Eurotrip. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, Rob. Me, James. And this week, yes, everybody, we're doing it. We're completing the Estonian hat trick. It's Victor Crone. This feels like when you were younger and you used to do those football sticker books. You know, we've landed on Team Estonia. Uh, we've got Anna Celine, we've got Alina Nechayeva, and finally, Victor Crone. We've got the captain. Victor Crone, of course, who represented Estonia at Eurovision in 2019 in Tel Aviv. He's also very involved in the Eurovision 2022 season. He is in Esti Laul as a backup vocalist, and he is also in Melfest as a songwriter this year. So we'll be chatting to him all about that. And he says this about a possible return to Eurovision next year. I have to find the right song, and I... I'm not that artist that can say I, w- I want to be in and I'm in, but I'm definitely going to give it a try to find the right song. Yeah, to do it next year. As we've seen from Esti Lau this year, Estonia are all about the returning acts to Eurovision, aren't they? Have they got four returning artists in the final of Esti Lau this year? So, Victor Krohn, yeah, you're very welcome to pop back if you want to next year. But more about today's episode, this week's episode of the Eurotrip. Uh, at the weekend, we saw San Remo come to a conclusion. We also got the hosts for Eurovision 2022. So I sat down with Christina Giuntini from OGAE Italy to chat all about that. And then in an interview that I often have to pinch myself to remind myself that we actually can bring you on the Eurotrip podcast, 
I interviewed the head of Ukrainian television. So Yaroslav Lodigin, he's also on the jury for Vidbeer this weekend, will join us to talk all things Ukraine. So we've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. So hello then, strap yourselves in, as James so often says, and sit back, relax and enjoy this week's episode of the Eurotrip. I mean, depending on what you're doing, obviously, don't sit back, relax and enjoy if you're out on a run, for example, like I was earlier, or flying a plane, that would be fine. I suppose you're already seated in a car, probably already seated. Hopefully you've got your seatbelt on, so you're already strapped in. Um, doing the ironing like James's grandma, probably best to do that standing up, so don't listen to me and, and sit down. I'm probably going down a rabbit hole here and hoped you'd have cut me off by now. I was going to say you've laboured this point a hell of a lot more than I thought you would have done. Yeah, it's going to be a great episode today. I am especially looking forward to hearing the chat Rob had with Yaroslav from Ukrainian television. That is a fascinating chat that I promise you, you will not hear anywhere else. Yes, as you may well be aware, followers of current affairs, uh, quite a lot going on in Ukraine at the moment. So the fact that we were able to cross to Kiev and do that interview was, yeah, amazing and couldn't be more pleased to have grabbed some of Yaroslav's time. And as James says, we will be bringing you that interview very, very shortly. But first, of course, we have to reflect, and obviously we did this on Malfest Monday, on what was an incredible weekend for me and James and the podcast where we were asked by SBT to provide in-app English language text commentary for Melody Festivalen. Honestly, cannot believe that we've been given that opportunity and I'm absolutely delighted that we are trusted with such responsibility. Yeah, it was really good fun. I really enjoyed myself. Hopefully, if you managed to get yourself signed up to the app, you were able to follow along. We know there were some technical problems uh, with the Melfest app. You saw that in the show. We addressed it on the podcast earlier in the week. But hopefully, you know, you know, these things happen, actually. So hopefully it'll all be addressed and ready to, to go again this coming Saturday. Yeah, it was so nice to see loads of you kind of congratulating us as well, which was really nice. But also, we couldn't do it without you because the podcast wouldn't be as popular without you listening, if that makes sense. So thanks to Luke. He said, fantastic news. Congratulations, both of you. Uh, Lewis Messer, you know him. He's been on to chat all things Spain before. He said, congrats. Uh, Richard Taylor said, OMG! Exclamation mark. This is fantastic. Honestly, (laughs) Richard, we can't believe it really either. Yeah, loads of you got in touch. So thank you to all. And Hugh, you just sent us three applause emojis, so you appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much for getting in touch. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter. We are also at Eurotrip Podcast on Instagram, and I thought I'd bring a message that we had on Instagram a little bit earlier in the week. If you tuned into Melfest Monday, we were joined by Alvaro Estrella. He's taking part in the second heat this coming weekend, and uh, we got a lovely message on Instagram uh, to a video we popped on there. Uh, it came from somebody called Mendez. Um, And he said, um, he commented, basically replying to Alvaro himself saying, thank you, brother, for the recognition and affection towards me and all of my work. I love you, brother. So Mendez, thanks for listening. (laughs) And uh, thanks for for getting in touch with us at YouTube Podcast on Instagram. If the name Mendez has gone over people's heads, James, who is Mendez? Mendes, the king of Latin pop in Sweden, one of Melody Festivalen's greatest artists, and of course shared the stage with Alvaro himself at Melfest back in 2020. So lovely to see those two having a little bit of bromance in the comments section 
of our Instagram account. So that was lovely to see. Yeah, James has already mentioned it. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are also on the email, hello at EurotripPodcast.com for anything you want to send over there. And we are online as well. You can read all of our exclusive stories from the brilliant people that we speak to here on the podcast over at EurotripPodcast.com. So it's that time of the episode where we try and round up everything that's been happening in the world of the Eurovision Song Contest over the last seven days. As we've said every single week since the start of January, it has been a very busy seven days since we last joined you, especially because we had our very first Super Saturday of selection season. It really was a Super Saturday. Honestly, you couldn't move for Eurovision on Saturday. From all corners of the continent, we had Eurovision songs coming out of our ears. It was uh, it was very exciting. And yeah, I hope you plug socket coat. I've said that because I what I said that because I've seen people had kind of multiple devices on the go at any one time. You know, say you had San Remo on the telly and Melfest on an iPad and that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, the phrase didn't work because you had to sort of explain it afterwards. So it's not a good sign when you've said something and you've got to explain. Do what the it news. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Since we joined you last week, four countries have chosen their song for Turin, all selected by national finals. So it's Brooke for Ireland, Andrea for North Macedonia, Michael Ben David for Israel and former Eurovision runner-up Mahmoud alongside Blanco for Italy. Let's listen to them all. That's Andrea's song Circles for North Macedonia, the second song that you heard there, is to undergo a revamp, so that's not exactly how it will sound in May. Now, Saturday, as I said, saw the first Super Saturday of national selection season, along with Italy's San Remo and Israel's X Factor concluding. A further six shows were taking place across Europe, so here's an overview of where we are now. Melfest, of course, kicked off. If you haven't already, check out this week's episode of Melfest Monday as we debrief everything there from the weekend and look forward to heat number two as well. Melody Grand Prix continued in Norway on Saturday as well as on Monday for their first second chance round. A second second chance round will take place on TV on Saturday. Confusing, I know. 
But in Latvia, their supernova programme began at the weekend as well with the one and only semi-final. Aminata was forced to perform from home because of COVID, but still qualified to the final, as did friends of the podcast Citizeni with their song Eat Your Salad. Slovenia's process ramped up a notch as well as EMA began after weeks and weeks of its sister show EMA Fresh, which whittled down some of the newer artists. The second semi-final is on there this weekend, with a grand final taking place just a week later. Now, in Lithuania, the heat and the semi-finals have finally come to an end. We now know the eight artists who will be vying for victory this coming weekend. They include Gebrisi, who we spoke to last week, and Ayeva, who represented the country back in 2018. Estonia's two Estilal semi-finals have been and gone, with 10 artists qualifying to the final on the 12th of February. That includes some pretty big names, actually, including Anna Selene and Alina Nechayeva, who we've spoken to on the podcast over the last two weeks, and Otlepland and Stig Rasta, all four of which have, as we mentioned before, represented Estonia at Eurovision in the past. Now, the successor to Dali and Gagna Magnet in Iceland has been narrowed down to 10 artists as Ruve revealed the competitors for Song Verkepnen. The semi-final, or the first semi-final rather, will hit our screens on the 26th of February. And finally, back to Italy. During San Remo last week, the broadcaster Rai announced the hosts for Eurovision this May. They are Laura Pausini, Alessandro Catalan and Mika. Yeah, super exciting that Mika is one of the hosts for Eurovision this year. I put this on Twitter last week that we're getting a bit of a mid-2000s throwback Eurovision as things stand because Mika's hosting it and if the Rasmus end up representing Finland, it's going to be like 2003 all over again. Yeah, no, I thought of that actually. Yeah, that's such a good point. But looking at those hosts, I think we're going to be in capable hands, aren't we? Because we know Mika is a household name over in Italy, a household name across Europe as well, to be perfectly honest with you. He's fluent in Italian and English, and I think, by the sounds of things, pretty much every single language on the planet. And then we've got Laura and Alessandro, who are big names in Italy too. Yeah, you've said we're in capable hands, which if anything is slightly disappointing. Because if there is... (laughs) One element of Eurovision that I do look forward to every year, it is the sometimes haphazard presenting. And I think, as you've said, I think we're unfortunately going to get three very professional presenters this year who will do a very, very good job, which is a real shame. Yeah, we don't seem to get that sort of haphazard approach to hosting Eurovision anymore. Cast your minds back, I don't know, about 15, 20 years, and it used to be... Something very different is the way I'm going to put it. (laughs) Sakis Ruvas having an absolute nightmare with a massive countdown timer in Athens is what immediately (laughs) springs to mind. I want to see that again. Yeah, I think you might be waiting a long time for that. But yeah, Eurovision back in the day, back in the early noughties, just was a very different Eurovision to as it is now. But as I was saying, it's been a very busy week in Italy. We've got the hosts. uh, We've got... Italy's representative as well, haven't we? Mahmoud and Blanco, they'll be representing Italy on home soil. And to get a bit of a reaction to the hosts, to San Remo, and their artists that are selected for this year, I thought we'd have a chat with Christina Giuntini from the fan club OGAE Italy. And I started off by getting her reaction to what has been a very fun, busy and enjoyable week in Italy. It was a real fun week. Uh, just a shame that I wasn't in San Remo, as usual. So maybe next year, I hope, because I love being there. But it's been fun anyway, watching it from home. 
And uh, the main thing is that this year I find it's uh, been most focused on the songs. Uh, it's been shorter than usual, uh, I mean, less, uh, uh, you know, um, comedians, actors, people who, okay, maybe you, maybe you like, but have nothing to do with the competition and with the sounds. It's always a popular week in Italy and also across Europe. I, you know, looking at social media, you see so many people who aren't in Italy who are watching as well. And there seem to be huge numbers of people in Italy, you know, huge viewing figures actually tuned into the show. And I think it helps as well for the audience that, like you say, it was a bit shorter. It was a bit more focused on the artist, more of a manageable and enjoyable thing to watch on TV this year. Yes, I'm sure it helped. We've had incredible viewing numbers. Everybody was amazed because we haven't had such viewing numbers for maybe 10 years or so. It's really incredible because everybody was used to thinking that people would follow San Remo because, not because of the competition, but because of anything else uh, of, uh, I mean, uh, co-presenters wearing incredible dresses uh, or uh, maybe actors coming to, um, to promote fiction, things like that. But I think that the viewing figures this year have uh, cancelled this kind of convention because it's been obvious that people were watching it because uh, of the acts, of the singers, of the songs, because we've had mostly songs. And that's that's a wonderful thing. And I'm really, really happy about this. And I think it, it will be, uh, I mean, a topic to discuss uh, for our broadcaster for future editions. And, and I'm also sorry for Amadeus because I'm sure they will <laughs> force him to the fault San Remo Festival, I'm sure. Oh, honestly, Christina, I could chat about San Remo with you for so, so long because I find the whole thing fascinating. We haven't got forever to talk about it, so shall we move on to the winner? Mahmoud and Blanco, tell me your thoughts about that. We've got a winner. Well, I was convinced they would win for the, from the first inning. Uh, I think it was the right song, and that's all. I mean, and they were amazing on stage. They just took the stage and they mastered the stage. They had such a, 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 an incredible symphony. Uh, they, they looked, uh, I mean, it looked as if they hadn't done anything else in their whole life than singing that song. Now, Mahmoud, of course, to Eurovision fans, is well-known. He finished second, didn't he, back in 2019 in Tel Aviv. Blanco is naturally a new name, a very young name as well. He's only 18 years old and he's already won San Remo. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, I, I think 18 or 19, but anyway. And he's already won some demo. Wow, that's great. And not just because of Mahmoud, I think. Uh, of course, uh, being together, uh, singing the same song with Mahmoud uh, was something kind of like a presentation for him. But he was great. I mean, he has such an incredible voice. And he, did, he deserves a lot.
well, for, for now, he decides to go to Turin. And that's the main thing. And then we will see. I'm sure we'll have so many more discussions about Italy's chances on home soil at Eurovision this year. But shall we touch on another big moment that happened in San Remo last week? We found out the names of the presenters for Eurovision itself. Christina, talk us through them, remind us of the names, because I think a couple of them we may have discussed at some point on the podcast with you in the past. Yeah, I think so. Uh, well, we have Alessandro Catalan. He might not be well known abroad, but he's one of our uh, best, I think, presenters for young uh, people, broadcasts for young people, and he's very uh, self-assured. He knows how to take the stage. Uh, he will be great. He also speaks very, very good English. What can I say about Laura, Laura Fosini, and about Mika? Mika, we consider Italian because he's he has lived here for a long time. He was judging X Factor and everything. And to us, he, he's part of our of our television, of our of our entertainment uh, industry. He's Italian to us, and they are such, uh, so enthusiastic. I think they are the perfect hosts, and that's all. Uh, I would have had it Tiziano Ferro, but you can't have him. <laughs> If you could have chosen maybe somebody else, but it's safe to say we've got three incredible hosts. We're going to be in safe hands. And I think from what we've seen from them online already, they're going to be very, very entertaining. So we've got great hosts from Italy, a great song put forward for Italy. So what's not to love? Hopefully, Christina, we'll chat to you again on the podcast as preparations ramp up a little bit more. But thank you once again for joining us for a chat. Lovely as always, Christina. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's always lovely to chat to you and uh, hopefully we will chat again soon and maybe I will see you in Turin. This is the Eurotrip. When you aren't listening, you can find us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. Warming you up for the Eurovision Song Contest. This is the Eurotrip podcast, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast. If you're listening, by the way, and you've got a friend who's a Eurovision fan who doesn't know about this podcast, send it their way. Go on, get them involved in all of the fun that we have here every single Wednesday. Because, James, this is the only podcast that you are likely to hear the head of Ukrainian television, which is what's happening next. Yeah, this is fascinating. You know we love to bring you chats with some of Eurovision's biggest stars. You just got to scroll through this podcast feed and you see some of the names that stand out. But also, we love to bring you the insights that you probably don't hear elsewhere from some of the names you probably aren't aware of. Because, of course, Yaroslav, as the head of Ukrainian television, isn't necessarily on your radar. But he's still a man who has an incredible insight into Eurovision that you probably won't hear elsewhere. And it's great to bring you chats like this. Absolutely. And we know what powerhouses at the Eurovision Song Contest Ukraine are. So just fantastic to get people like Yaroslav onto the podcast. And as I mentioned earlier on, given everything that is happening with current affairs and world events in Ukraine at the moment, brilliant that Yaroslav felt he was able to give a few minutes to us here on the podcast because he's got an awful lot more important things to be worrying about. So Yaroslav, huge thank you for joining us. Now, we spoke all about, of course, Vidbeer 2022, which returns this weekend. Of course, we didn't get it last year because Goe were internally selected, having already 
been the Ukrainian act who were supposed to be going to Eurovision in 2020. But Vidbit returns. Now, this time, the channel are doing it all by themselves without the assistance of a production company, which they usually have. So that is an interesting aspect to this year's show. Yaroslav also explains why there were no semi-finals this year, while we have just got the one final. And he also talks about Ukraine in Eurovision and whether or not he'd like to see them win the contest again. Should say as well, he's on the jury this year alongside Jamala and Tina Carroll from Eurovision 2006. But I started by asking Yaroslav how excited he was for the return of Vidbeer this weekend. Well, I'm, I am very excited because uh, for, for, from many angles, it is exciting uh, event we're uh, now expecting this Saturday. Uh, first of all, it's just an opportunity to create a, an additional uh, um, celebration of music and, uh, and, and a good mood for all Ukrainians because now nowadays we are uh in, in in big need of positive emotions uh with all this uh border tensions let we call it that way uh so the people are here are quite worried and uh and uh and 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 the clear message that goes from the eurovision uh with beer with from the uh selection competition as it just a good music and a, and a good few couple of hours of uh, entertainment and that's the most exciting for me just to give to have the opportunity to to help to create it um second of all it is um it's a, once again it proved to be the major event and a major point where we can uh, showcase ukrainian new ukrainian music for ukrainians of the uh, uh, broad television audiences because uh, a lot of artists from the uh, f- finalist eight are more or less well known for the musical uh, industry here in Ukraine or for some young audiences or part of young audiences here in Ukraine but I I cannot say that there's a, a stars in this uh, selection in terms of um, knowledge of the um, mass audiences here in Ukraine. So this is a good opportunity to showcase great young uh, energy uh, and uh, potential of Ukrainian music. Uh, and um, last but not least for us, it is it is the first time since many years where uh, the public broadcaster organized the show uh, by ourselves. So this is a quite a big test for the whole company, for all the producers, for all the managers here and i think we are because i know the preparations i know uh, all the schedules i think that we are uh, doing more or less good uh, i don't think the people would be disappointed this saturday the only thing that we could be criticized for it's the lack of the airtime because the recent uh, in recent year it was two semi-finals and then the final like the eurovision structure uh and this year it's just one final, uh, one concert, but it's it's very easy to understand that uh, this is a quite an uh, an expensive show, and uh, in times of coronavirus, in times of economical struggle, and uh, and the situation on the border, so we are not in the position to to have this leisure of creating you know, you know a lot of shows around uh, the qualification process. Yaroslav, as, as someone in such a senior position like you are, of course, 
How difficult is it to be producing vid beer at the time that we currently have, you know, in Ukraine? It's a really difficult time. Of course, we know it is for, for, for the Ukrainian people. So how much responsibility do you feel to provide some joy on Saturday? Well, it's a massive uh, responsibility, a massive uh, pressure from every side. Because uh, um, first of all, it is uh, the first time when uh, our team is producing the competition by uh, ourselves. So it's it's always uh, pressing to be to to making a debut, the big production debut uh, in any aspects. Second of all, the Eurovision Song Contest is very important stuff in Ukraine. Like uh, surprisingly for me, even for a couple of years, I'm now doing it. It still surprised me a lot how uh, how, how much uh, attention we get during this uh, times of competition. I think even that there's a four major positions uh, and chairs in Ukrainian society. First is a president. The second one is a prime minister. Third is the head of the parliament. And the fourth is a member of the jury of the Eurovision Song Contest, uh, national selection. Does everybody think that this is a very important, important public role to pick uh, someone who will go to the Eurovision? And uh, for me, this is one would be the first time I'm um, uh, participating in the jury uh, of, of, the, uh, of the final. So I, I got this a little bit more pressure, not only from this, some, you know, sub-industrial uh, sharks uh, or some politicians that always trying to use this uh, additional attention to the competition to make their points, but also from different music lovers, uh, thousands of people who think that there are a lot of people who are who deserve in this place in the jury more than me uh, so uh, these days i'm after the annunciation announcement i'm just reading this uh, uh, comments from the fans of Vierka Serduchka, why she's not in the jury or why this one is not in the jury and who's this guy who's in the jury instead that's quite a quite an interesting time it is such as you mentioned there a responsibility ukraine are the only country at the Eurovision Song Contest with a 100% qualification record for the final. You know, do you feel that weight of responsibility when it comes to, to picking a song and, and for picking Goa's successor? Because of course, Goa have seen huge success and popularity among, among the international community. Well, it's becoming this factor of uh, Ukraine, 100% uh, qualification rate for Ukraine. Uh, is getting more and more important every year with each year, because uh, there's, always plus one year of uh, doing this. Uh, but I think, and from what I can see, f that I hope that any of this uh, finalists we, uh, we picked for the um, uh, Saturday show is able to reach the finals. Uh, I think they're all good. Of course, Goway uh, success was very pleasant for us. Uh, we still hoped for more, but... Uh, it sets the record high numbers of Spotify uh, listeners uh, in the history of Ukraine. I think we will succeed this year. I don't, I don't, I don't have doubts that the winner will go through the final. And when they get to the final, are they in with a chance of winning it? That's, I don't know, because uh, there are a lot of surprises always. And uh, I haven't seen every... Uh, um, every participant uh, right now there's not, 
we don't know everybody and uh, i think it's too early to to predict but why not why not that's the perfect place to finish this i guess you know ukraine at eurovision you're in it to win it you want to win the eurovision song contest again as, as the broadcaster well you know as a singing uh, definitely a singing nation uh, we all uh, we always want uh, we would always want to win but uh, considering all the budget restrictions we are facing, we are more or less in the situation of Iceland in this Eurovision film. So we are praying as an executives, we are praying not to win every year. Because the last time we won in 2017, it was a very big pressure on the company. I mean, in terms of uh, um, financing, in terms of um, interest from the controlling uh, bodies of the Ukrainian government. So it's always a big stress for the and the company and the country to organize the next year, the competition. So we uh, we're always thinking about the second place would be the 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 best, the best for Ukraine. Yaroslav, thank you so much for chatting. I know you've got so much to do to prepare for Saturday. And yeah, we can't wait to see it. Fifth year 2022. Good luck with everything. Thank you very much. This is the Euro trip. What a fascinating chat that was with Yaroslav. Honestly, if you do hear that elsewhere this week, let me know because I, I genuinely don't think you will hear a conversation. <laughs> Somebody stole it. If you, hear that, <laughs> if you hear that exact chat anywhere else, someone has got hold of it. It was great though, wasn't it? Because there's so much there from Yaroslav that you probably weren't expecting to hear. I do find it quite funny in a way that he's just hoping for a second place finish at Eurovision for Ukraine this year. Although I would love to see Ukraine win again. They always are such a powerhouse. They always bring such high quality music. And there's just something inside of me that would love to see Eurovision inside Ukraine again. We, we remember what 2017 was like to see that again. Yes, please. So do get in touch with your thoughts about that chat that Rob's had or anything else. Of course, we are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. Don't forget, we've still got that chat with Victor Krohn still to come. But first, I think Rob's favourite part of the podcast. Rob's favourite part of the podcast, when we remember to do it, because you will know, listeners, there have been a couple of weeks where we've forgotten. But it is time for that time of the podcast. It's James's National Final Lyric of the Week. There's only one song I can go for this week, and you may well call me a cop-out because it's an easy choice, but there's nothing else that could top this. So this week's Lyric of the Week comes from Subwoofer with Give That Wolf a banana. Stop whinging. You've had the whole week to prepare for this. Yeah, but where else are you going to find a lyric such as Is that saliva or blood dripping off your chin? If you don't like the name Keith, I'm going to call you Jim. I mean, you make a good point. This is the Euro Trip. So there's plenty more national final songs still to be released. And if the past few weeks of James's national final lyric of the week or anything to go by, I reckon we're in for some more quirky lyrics to come. Very much hoping you up your game next week, though. I want something a little bit more outside the box than the song about the wolves eating a grandma and a <laughs> banana. In fact, yeah. actually, the wolves don't eat the grandma because they have a banana. That's importantly the message of the song. Yeah, have you heard the song, Rob? Have you heard? Have you even heard the song? Because if you haven't, get out of here and come back. Then you can complain. 
It's not Rob's national final lyric of the week, is it? You know full well that I've heard the song, and I'm a big, big fan. You know full well I am. Never mind. Never mind that. Let's do our final conversation of the week. Chat number three with Victor Krohn. Absolutely. We mentioned it earlier. The Estonian hat-trick is complete. So two weeks ago, we brought you a chat with Alina Nechayeva, Estonia's entry at Eurovision in 2018. She is, of course, back in Estilao this year. Last week, we brought you James's chat with Anna Celine, Estonia's entry in Eurovision in 2002. She is also back in Estilao this year. And today, I bring you my chat with Victor Crone. He was Estonia's entry at Eurovision in 2019 in Tel Aviv with his song Storm. He qualified for the final where he finished 20th, but he has also popped up all over the place. He was in Melody Festival and, of course, in 2020 as a solo artist. He'd also competed in the competition before. And this year, he is very, very busy because he is not just in Estilao as a backing vocalist for Stig Rasta, who qualified for the final, which you will be able to, of course, see this weekend. But he is also one of the co-writers on Robin Benson's song, Innocent Love, which is in Melfest this year and qualified direct to the final at the weekend. So given that Victor's so busy... That's where I started the chat and I said, Victor, you must be incredibly tired after the last few days. Yeah, I, I, I got a, I, I got a good night's sleep yesterday, so I'm, I'm getting back there. Um, and today is quite chill as well. I'm doing some accounting and just, well, that's kind of nerve wracking as well in some sense. But uh, uh, it's been very fun. Like, and this is my first time being in this competition as a songwriter. And in the beginning, like last week when I was there for Stieg, it was like very like, oh, this is how it's supposed to feel. Like it's just fun. And because when you're doing it by yourself, you, it, it gets so hyped and so big. Like it's like this tunnel vision. You get in and in, in, yeah, into it so much. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, when we were sitting in the couch again with Stieg and the, like when the results are coming in and like uh, first finalist, second finalist, and then the, the pulse is always going up it's uh, which is a bit of the fun thing with this competition so to speak that you it's very it's like playing i get the same feelings like when i played hockey like oh damn can we do this and so first league was very happy about that and then flew back to sweden and for robin and got the same feeling there let's just have fun and then yeah we I, I don't know if you guys saw, but it was some problem with the app and voting system and everything. So it was a bit of a, I guess, panic. You you sense the panic in the in the green room, but uh, it was a, it was an amazing feeling for both Robin and Stieg and to both have them in the final. I was going to say the week the week couldn't have gone any better for you. You know, both of the both of the projects you're involved in, we've got both of the both of those songs through to their respective finals. So does that mean you are? back in Estilao this weekend, back to Tallinn? Yes, I'm going back on Thursday. I actually talked with Stig just an hour ago, so we're we're going to have a bit more rehearsal for yeah, vocals and stuff and some changes. So on Thursday, I'll go back to Tallinn. And just uh, touching on Robin as well, of course, you know, how delighted mm-hmm. are you? How delighted was Robin with the result that we saw in Mello on Saturday? Because it was such a strong competition just in that one mm-hmm. show on Saturday. So many strong yeah. songs. So to go direct to the final with Cornelia was a, a fantastic result. 
Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And and it was nerve wracking seeing. I, I thought like Omar with his following, and it was a, like a great song. So when when it was, I think with him, Robin, and then it was who else was Malu Malu with bananas and like like you said, a very, like strong songs overall. Uh, so I uh, I felt in like I, I guess Robin told it also, but he was he's a veteran, I would say. But like the nerves, you can't you can't run away from them. So we were all super excited when he made it. I want to talk to you about your friendship, especially with with Stig with Stig Rasta in a, in just a little bit. But if we start with with you and yourself, it was no mm -hmm. surprise that you got into music, was it? Because you're from quite a musical family anyway. Yeah, I would say so. My 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 grandfather played the violin, and my 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 grandmother used to sing in the choir. And it's always been like I'm in my parents' house now. So downstairs from where I'm sitting right now, my my father always used to play vinyls with Beatles and Spencer Davis Group and 10CC. And my room was like next to the where he used to play all the music. So it was always <laughs> always music playing. And I have still I have my little space where I used to play. Um, guitar and a bit of drums so I I, I've all, I started writing music at an early age and it, it will always be with me in some sense. The big thing for you I think your career kind of changed when you got the opportunity to go to America is, is that probably safe to say when you got to go to America to work with the likes of, of Diane Warren and Desmond Child and over two of the people that you work with? Yeah well it was definitely uh, like where I had to make a decision what to do because I played as I said, a lot of sports, hockey and stuff and music was always like a side thing when I picked up a guitar and wrote some tunes, but never on a like serious level in some sense. But then I got picked up by a producer and we flew to yeah, Los Angeles and Nashville and New York and met all of these legends, I would say. At the time, I didn't really know what I was doing because I was so young. So it was like, oh, what is this? It's just, you know, went pretty fast. Uh, but, uh, and unfortunately, like, it didn't, like, we recorded many songs in an album and kept the records, but music business as it is, uh, unfortunately, ever, it didn't ever come out. So, but I, I learned a lot from it and I'm very, yeah, it was a good experience. We'll get back to music in a second. I wanted <clears> to <throat> talk about ice hockey because, you know, we know how much you love your ice hockey. And was that a genuine yeah. possibility that you could have pursued that, you know, when you were, when you were growing up, it was kind of a, an ice hockey or a sports avenue and a music direction as well. Yeah, I played a lot of sports like tennis, I played golf, football, but like hockey was my, my main, main like sports, so to say. And uh, I guess I could have like maybe not NHL, but maybe the Swedish uh, like national, uh, like not the national team, maybe, but it's called SOL, SOL. Like maybe that, but uh, you never know. It was uh, it was fun. I still miss it. I miss the whole like uh, team spirit that you have in in the sport. Yeah. In some sense, I have it in music, but like I'm mainly by myself and touring and stuff. So uh, miss that thing. But uh, hard to say if I impossible to say. And I read somewhere, and I don't know if this is true. Did you get the chance to 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 uh, practice with the Estonian ice hockey team before Eurovision in 2019? Yeah, yeah, I did. That was amazing. Like uh, the TV team took me to the yeah the ice hockey arena, and I I played like an hour with them. It wasn't as good as I thought because that was like I hadn't been on ice for two years at that point. But uh, uh, yeah, I played with them. 
Actually, there's I just before coming in here with you, I, I, Sweden and China is playing now ladies hockey. So we're one goal behind. So we have to step it up. Oh no! I feel like I should almost put it. I feel like I should put it on the TV behind me so we can keep checking the score. <laughs> yeah, let's let's. Moving things forward, you know, we mentioned LA and we mentioned how old you were at that point. Now, at what stage did, did things become, you know, properly serious for you and you could make a career out of it? I know you you met Stig Raster in 2016 and you guys have formed a great friendship from that point onwards. And and I guess is that the point that got you into to Esti Laul and to Melody Festival and, and things start kicking off from that point? Yeah, well, at that point, I, I had a manager that I'm still working with, Busse Lundqvist, and I, well, after LA and everything, it, I did Melody Festival in 2015, but things didn't really take off. I didn't have the songs, and, you know, uh, like I said, it goes up and down. So I was working at a department store in Stockholm called NK. We're selling sports, shoes, and, yeah, you know, everything about like that. And, I think yeah. I've been there, and I think, uh, yeah, I think I've been there, and I think they sell very expensive aftershave. That was my memory. Yeah, I, I guess everything is pretty expensive in there. So <laughs> don't start there if you like looking for anything. But it's a it's nice vibe. It's yeah. Uh, so I was working there, and Busik called me one day and said that this Estonian guy, Stig Resta, was was coming to Sweden. Uh, he was signed to a publishing label called BMG, and um, he didn't know who he was. But actually, me and my family know him because of his. Uh, yeah, with the goodbye to yesterday. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm, I'm meeting him. So we went to the studio and worked. Uh, we, we, were, we haven't released that song. It, we were, it was called, I remember, Dead Guy. That, that's a title. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, it was like a dance song. And yeah, we really clicked really like right away. So he invited me to Estonia and I was there back and forth. Uh, for songwriting mostly, but also some gigs. Uh, I had something with Tug- some success with Tungabag and Raban, like a EDM duo that were playing there. So I was there singing at some festivals. And uh, then one day we just wrote Storm. And uh, like I said, up and down with Melody Festivaling, like prior to that, I've been sending songs, but you know, sorry you didn't make it this year. And I was like, okay, it's not gonna happen. And then Stieg and Balo, and the guys asked me, you should send this into Estilau. So the opportunity to go to the contest, you know, as someone who has always watched the contest and as a musician as well, like yourself, what was the moment like, the moment you realised, you know, did it take a while to you to realise what was going on, basically, after you won the right to represent Estonia? When I was there in Tel Aviv, you mean, or when I was... Even before that, when you won Estilau, did did it take a while for it to sink in what was going to happen next? Yeah, definitely. Just being there, like, because it's the same arena, Sakusural, uh, just being there last week was like you get these flashbacks like emotions and stuff that you like d- didn't really remember because like I said in the beginning it's for being an artist in those yeah like contests like it is it's so especially I had it at least a lot of nerves and like tunnel vision you don't really like so uh, it was uh, a roller coaster 
and especially going to uh, Tel Aviv afterwards, we had problems with the act. With the, I was spinning around in this clouds, you know, and stuff like that. Didn't really work out. So it it was, uh, but yeah, up and down. But in the end, really, really fun, and I miss it a lot. How stressful were those rehearsals in Tel Aviv? Because you were trying to do something very different with your act. You know, just just remind people what you were trying to do on the stage there and some of the problems you had with that. Yeah, so in, in Estilal, we worked like I was standing on this mountain in a storm, so to speak. That was pre-recorded, but I was singing, of course, live. But this thing should, like in the like last chorus or something, this would uh, be like an extra effect and like a, yeah, a thing for the... Yeah, extra cool thing to do, but uh, we we couldn't use what we did in Estelal, so we had to redo it in Tel Aviv, and uh, it was uh, hard because like there's so many different countries and everyone like it's a tight schedule and we only had this amount of time and I I don't know the staff and I don't know wasn't prepared maybe like how hard this was to do, so it was an extra rehearsal and still didn't like get where we. We're supposed to get so uh, a lot of work with that and um, like looking back on it um, i'm still wondering why we couldn't use what we already had but that's something in the rules i guess what was it like when you you step off that plane in israel in 2019 you know and you i suppose you walk you walk up to the arena for the first time what's that like to realize the enormity of what you're about to do uh well, I, I was really focused at that time. Like I was just, I was practicing a lot and I was, you know, I, I'm a lot into meditation. I did that, but like trying to really stay grounded and not like I wasn't partying and like, it's, well, I did after the whole thing. <laughs> I did party a lot but, uh, before, but it was, an, it was a surreal, surreal experience and I was fortunate enough to have Stieg and Ballo and like friends with me so that like you could always talk and it wasn't like yeah yeah it was basically and all the artists you were you you're sitting in all these like boxes like all art or delegations are next to each other so it, mostly it's uh, just a good, good hang with everyone. And how vital was it having Stig there someone who'd already been through it you know how useful was it that he could I suppose, give you advice and talk to you about the Eurovision thing and what to expect and how you could prepare? Uh, well, Stig is, uh, he doesn't always talk that much, but he's always like a good guy to have with you because he doesn't get like too uh, emotional about things. Like, it's okay, it's not the end of the world. And that that's one thing I see now being like, like in Melody Festival and everything as a songwriter. When you see, like, it's a, very big thing in some sense but it's also mostly fun it isn't like it's easy to be like overly hyped and you know so yeah he he grounded me in some sense that was really important to have Steve with me in that sense did you need grounding after you qualified for the final because that must have been an amazing moment. <laughs> yeah that was actually my goal in some sense I have to make it to the finals and uh well then energy get I just yeah, that was an amazing evening. This is so intense. Yes, it is. Who will be next? The fifth lucky finalist for tonight is... 
Estonia. Victor, it was it was it was only the the next year. It was only in 2020 that you were then back in Melody Festival, and of course, as a as a solo mm-hmm. artist with Troubled Water. Yeah. Now, you know, was it immediate after 2019 that you knew you wanted to try and go to Eurovision again? No, not really. That was, like I said, was a lot of. I don't know. Looking back on that now, uh, I maybe should have taken a break. But when you're in that bubble, it goes really fast, and you have label and. Uh, we worked on the song for a while, but it was fun. Unfortunately, I, I, I got sick also during that period, like being on stage on the final, I remember, like feeling really bad. Uh, so that was a tough thing, but uh, it was it was fun. It was fun. It, like the last big before COVID actually hit. So it was nice to do that in Friends Arena before things shut down. Um, but uh yeah, that was also, uh, I don't know, it, it, it was fun, basically, but uh, a lot of uh, things back and forth there as well, with laying down on the, on the, on the stage, and, you know, uh, I, I think I've learned, like, in, in a lot of these things, what to do and what to do for next time, because yeah. I'm definitely going to try one more time. Third's the charm, right? Eurovision, is that Melody Festival, is that Esti Lau, or you don't really mind as long as you get back on that Eurovision stage at some point? Well, I, it's like such a like mixed emotion because I really love Esti Lau and, and I'm, I'm feeling really at home there, and I do in Sweden as well. So I, I, I haven't, I haven't come that far in my in my in the planning. My first goal is to write a song that I think could win it all. I guess. So that's my my prior focus to find the song. Is that what will determine the time frame? Kind of when you feel you have the right song, or is there a, a time frame in mind? You know, what might we see you on that list for for Melody Festival in twenty twenty three, for example? Well, let's see. Like, I, I wouldn't mind. It's all always like I have to find the right song, and I I'm not that artist that can say I, w- I want to be in and I'm in. So it's always. People in every delegation that like decides and there's juries before and everything. But I'm definitely going to give it a try to find the right song uh, to, uh, yeah, to do it next year, hopefully. And I'm more convinced now being in Estilao last week and going back now and Melody Festival and this Saturday, like, it's, uh, it's fun. Victor, we've, we've got, you know, so much to get excited about. We've got your soon-to-be entry into Melody Festival in 2023, which we've decided that you're doing now, by the way. That's definitely <laughs> yes. happening. And then I actually have an album for the fall. The album is ready to go, we, so we know that's definitely going to happen. Basically, there's a lot like this mix, mixing left and, yeah, mastering. So, But uh, the songs are written, and uh, I'm, I feel it's some of the best work I've done. So I'm excited to, to share that also. Victor, it's been so good to talk. So thank you so much for talking to us on the Eurotrip. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Don't forget, you can get in touch with us on social media. We're at Eurotrip Podcast. 
Well, that man there, Victor Krohn, sounds like a thoroughly lovely fella, doesn't he? And I don't know how he sounds so positive and upbeat, because by the sounds of things, he's got one of the busiest diaries in Europe at the moment. I tell you what, I've got a bit of a crush on Victor Krohn. He's a very, oh, very attractive fella, is old Victor. Did you, did you tell him? Did you invite him out for a drink? Valentine's is coming up, isn't it? It is, it is. So if ever there was a time, uh, I didn't, no, I didn't want to scare the man, bless him, he's got enough <laughs> on his plate with Estee Lauer and, uh, and Melfest, but very exciting that we might see his sexy face back in Melody Festival and, or indeed maybe Estee Lauer in 2023, because it's definitely safe to say that the Eurovision chapter is not shut for Victor Crone. He loves Eurovision and is definitely keen on a return, which is very, very exciting. Always been a big fan of his music, so hopefully we will see him very soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. Always lovely to see a returner to the Eurovision stage. Uh, I was trying to do a segue there, like, speaking of the Eurovision stage, it's time for the one second song. Doesn't really work, but we're going to do it anyway. Oh, sorry, you're going to keep that in. So I, yep, I, I, I'm just going to stay in the podcast this week. <laughs> I drifted off because I assumed you were re-recording <laughs> that bit, but apparently not. It is time for the one second song, everybody. This is the part of the podcast where me and James play each other one second of a Eurovision song. There are four points on offer. We have to try and name the name of the song, the name of the artist, the year it was performed, and the country the song was representing. James, can you remember what the score is? I cannot, but I'm sure Martin can. He made us a spreadsheet. One of our listeners made a spreadsheet of the points uh, many weeks ago. We have been keeping you up to date, but I've not looked at the spreadsheet since last week. I think you're definitely in the lead, though. It's 16-12 to me. Okay, so I've got a chance to level it this week because I'm going to try and play along this week. Four points on offer. You, of course, can play along at home. So for the first time, let's hear this week's one second song. A piano. Ah, yes, a piano. I can definitely identify that as an instrument. Is that a point? Don't they do ferry crossings on the English Channel? <laughs> Was the word you were looking for there piano? That's what I said. You said a piano. 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 <laughs> Maybe it was your Geordie accent. Uh, yes, indeed, a piano, as the rest of us call it. That helping? It's not, honestly. I wish there was a bonus point for the instrument. That is tough, tough, tough. Let's have it one more time. Oh, it's very cinematic, that sound, isn't it? Wow. It's interesting you say you've got no idea, because I really thought I'd picked a, a fairly easy one for you this week. I thought this, oh, I thought this was relatively that. low-hanging fruit, as one-second songs go. Really? Are you listening at home screaming, saying, come on, James, this is easy because I tell you from where I'm sitting, it's not. Come on, then. Let's have your guess, because I don't think we can keep the people waiting too much longer, because as you've said yourself, everyone who's listening to this, they've already got the answer. They know who this is. I'm sure they do. Yeah, uh, honestly, I've got no idea. So I'm going to say it is Greece. I don't, it's definitely not Greece since I've said that, is it? 2003, it's Randy. <laughs> that well-known Greek name, <laughs> Randy. Randy, the next word that came to mind was quagmire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call him. 
Randy Quagmire with I've got barrels of love for you. The minute you said Randy Quagmire, <laughs> I uh, thought I'd, I'd Google and see whether or not Randy Quagmire is an actual person. And sadly, they're not, it doesn't appear, which is a real shame. So I think that tells you everything you need to know. There is no points for you this week, which I think you'll be very unsurprised to hear. Come on, then. put me at my mercy. Maybe you've got it at home, so let's find out. Who was it? What was it? When was it? Who was it for? I don't know what order I'll <laughs> give you this information in, but maybe not that. Uh, we are going back to 2014 for this week's One Second Song. That was, of course, Ruth Lorenzo for Spain with Dancing in the Rain. Yo quiero ver luz, poder pintar de color un nuevo amanecer, vivir, amar, sentir y saber que hoy puede que no salga el sol, aunque llueva tú y yo sabremos bailar, nadie nos puede parar. We're dancing in the rain Dancing in the rain Oh my goodness me, how on earth did I not get that? I honestly, like I said earlier, thought that was easy pickings for you this week. I was fully expecting a full house of four points from you. Honestly, I'm embarrassed by the fact that I didn't get that. My goodness me. We know what Spanish Eurovision fans are like. They're very passionate, aren't they? So if any of you are listening, I am so sorry. And Ruth was also part of Benidorm Fest. She was one of the performers during Benidorm Fest as well. So it's not as if she's been out of your mind for that long. Do you want to know what the tenuous link was to this week's podcast as well? If I can't guess the song, I'm not going to guess that. So you might as well tell me. Yeah, it's, it's pretty straightforward this week, but you will have to know that Victor Crone's nickname is The Weatherman. Oh, come on. <laughs> Victor Crone, of course, well known for songs with weather-related titles. Uh, we had Troubled Water, then we also had Storm, his song in Eurovision. He's got some other weather-related songs as well. So he's called The Weatherman. Uh, Ruth Lorenzo, of course, her song, uh, Dancing in the Rain, of course. Uh, that's, that's it, really. That's the link. That's the link. Oh, okay. Well, these are getting pretty ridiculous now. But never mind. Uh, No points for me, so the scores are still 16-12. If you're keeping a tally at home of your own scores, feel free to let us know. But for this week, it's time to wrap up today's episode of the Eurotrip. Don't forget, we'll be back again on Monday for another episode of Melfest Monday and back again next Wednesday for an episode of the Eurotrip. And on Saturday, don't forget you can head over to the Melody Festival and all the Mellow United app. Uh, tilt the phone on the side once you've logged in and you can follow along with our live English text commentary of Melfest Heat number two. Yes, we would love it if you would keep us company on Saturday night. I plan on being a bit more timely with my drinks choices and have a gin ready to go by the time that Mellow starts on Saturday. So I'll be there. Picture me sat at my desk, gin in hand, ready to enjoy Mellow 2022, heat number two on Saturday. And as James says, it would mean the world if you would join us in either the Mellow United or the Melody Festival in apps. 
Thank you to everyone who's joined us today, including Victor Crone and Yaroslav Lodigin, and of course, James's chat earlier on with Christina Giantini. James, you've got all the info that people need right at the end of the episode. Go on. Yes, I do. Don't forget, you can keep in touch with us on social media. We are at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We are hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. And don't forget to check out our website, EurotripPodcast.com, for all the exclusive stories that come from each and every episode of the podcast. And until we join you again, in the meantime, don't forget to subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it's goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. Oh, how long is it? You sounded more like one of those things, you know, those sticks that make a funny noise where you tip them upside down. But it goes... Oh, yours is pathetic. Oh, no, please, no, don't do that again. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.